Hi, I'm Deb Crow, and welcome to season two of the Heart Centered Leadership Podcast. This is a podcast where we connect, learn, and laugh together with strong leaders from all over the globe. Here, you will learn from peers you haven't even met yet. You will gain new tools to add to your leadership toolbox. Because whether you're a C-suite executive or a first-time entrepreneur, we all contend with challenges and there's always room for improvement if we choose to seek it. So please pull up a chair and listen in. This is the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. Welcome back to Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. I'm starting to realize that my my global community is is getting smaller and smaller. And I have the pleasure of introducing you to Mark Champagne. I'll tell you what I love about him right away. I know he's a heart-centered leader, but he's a fellow Canadian. He lives just a couple hours down the road. We're like doing virtual high fives that you can't see right now. What I love about Mark is he loves great questions. He loves to receive them. He loves to ask them. And he believes that we are all one question away from completely changing our life. So I could go on and boast about him, but you all know me. I would rather have a meaningful heart-centered conversation. So Mark Champagne, toast to your last name. Welcome to Imperfect. Thank you, Deb. I I'm excited for this chat. I totally agree. I feel like our global networks just continue to align and it's just such a small world. It's a beautiful thing. When you're doing the right work, this stuff just keeps happening. Well, I'm going to say we are doing the right work because I love that you're a fellow podcaster and we're going to be putting all of your great links below in the podcast episode description. Love the name behind the human. So I'm going to jump right into my leadership question because I I want to talk about the evolution of everything you have going on. So first leadership question behind the human podcast. First of all, love the name. Share with us because I know it's not your first rodeo. Where did those simplistic words come from and share the meaning from a leadership perspective of why you chose that? Oh, great question. The podcast started, I guess, three, four years ago now. I think it's four years ago. And it started as a link to Keo, the journaling app that I had left the corporate world to create. And the podcast was called Keo Conversations. And it was the same format as the, the current show. And all of that content and the, the prompts that I was pulling from the guests were ending up in the app and they were integrated. So when we ended up shutting down the app in the wellness company, I, you know, I sat back and, and started to think a little bit about, you know, what do we do with the show? Because the show really it still continues to light me up. I mean, you know this, we were just talking about it, but to get behind the mic with another human being and connect with them and, and just share and, and do everything possible to, to help the listeners on the other side in your respective space. I mean, there's nothing, at least for me, that that can light me up even, you know, more than that. I leave in a flow state after all these conversations. So the answer was, was definitely yes, I need to keep the show going, but it didn't, the branding didn't make sense given the app was no longer around. And then I started asking myself some questions, which were, what am I actually unpacking on this show? Like what, what's happening here? 
that hopefully is a bit unique from other shows in the category and that it's able to stand out. And the conclusion I came to was I'm really trying to get behind the human and understand, okay, we see all the outside stuff. We see the jobs that are being conducted in the, in the work history and this and that. And we see the awards and the acknowledgements of whether they're best-selling authors or, or award-winning designers. But what I wanted to know, and then the reason I, I launched the show every episode with who are you as the first question to, to avoid job titles, is, well, what's fueling all of that success? What's fueling the days? And, and most importantly, what questions are these people asking themselves? Because we're all asking questions every day, day in and day out. Our biggest life events to the smallest life events are, are typically a series of questions and answers. And I've noticed over the years, because I was doing this myself, you know, just learning from these people that we can upgrade those questions, we can upgrade our lives. And that's why I wanted to keep the show going. That's, that's what's behind the, the show title. And you know, I think when it relates to, to leadership, I mean, it's no different. It's, you know, we're talking about someone, a mutual connection, Claude Silver, been on your show as well. I mean, and she talks a lot about obviously heart-centered leadership and something I've always learned from her or, or reflect on is, you know, if you're going to hold space for others and really be there for others, you have to first be there for yourself. So the show is designed for people to take a moment out of their lives for themselves, learn from others take the questions that are coming out, the reflective questions that are coming out from the conversation and take the 30 seconds to ask yourself those questions so that then you can show up even better for the people around you and within your teams. Absolutely <laughs> correct. I have my emotional optimism sticker from Claude on my podcast, Mike, just to keep me grounded and in flow, as we say. Mm -hmm. You know, so much power in your answer and you talk with your eyes, which they don't get the privilege of seeing, but I do. And I can see that this lights you up because your face lights up. You know, even if you had a mask on right now, I could see your smile from your eyes. Thank you. I'll receive that. But what a compliment. Thank you. And I love that you find out what is behind the human. We use similar language. You go behind the human and I accentuate the what's within the human. Sure. Do you see how there's space for all of us? And that's one of the big messages that I have loved being a joy spreader during the pandemic. Now, my next question has permanent residence on my podcast, and it's it's the being of, of why I created this and named it what I did. Share with us what imperfections Mark Champagne brings to his heart-centered leadership. <laughs> there are so many, right? It's uh, the magic, you know, really exists in the imperfections, at least from my opinion, from the podcast to, you know, it's, it's been, like I said, it's been about four years, but there are always new things that come up. They're learning something. There's the space is changing, you know, every day and there's different things to learn and whatnot. So I think imperfections come, you know, surface when you try things. And is, if you can embrace those imperfections through trial and error and then learning from those situations, then you're, you're always falling forward versus falling down, right? 
So that, I mean, that's one, the biggest thing though I can think of is just trying to sort out how to write a book. That's been the, that's been the biggest, I guess, challenge of my life in the, in the last couple of years and sorting through writing. I mean, the first draft of a book is a massive imperfection. And my editor and the publisher constantly had to remind me of this, that you're not writing for quality right now. You're writing for quantity. We will work on the quality after. That is imp almost impossible to accept as an answer, right? I mean, you're sending something, even you're, you're sending a line or you're sending, in my case, sending a profile that, you know, is included in the book to someone else that you don't really know that well. And just leaning back and, and just trusting the process. And I, I remember I, I had cue cards in front of my monitor uh, to remind myself at six in the morning when I was doing the writing that today I write for quality or today I write for X person or whatever, just to remind myself that, hey, you know what? I'm human as well, like the rest of us. And everyone has to start somewhere. This happens to be a, a book example, but I mean, this is applicable to really anything, right? And, you know, that's just something I see as a gift that the more we can accept our imperfections, the more, accept, I should say, accept our imperfections and trust that journey that you're on. I mean, it just makes life so much nicer, right? And our work so much nicer. It just takes away expectation, I think, that we put on ourselves and our, our people around us. So I, I, I that love that. The question. I, no, I love it. And I, I always say the best cognitive address is living in the now. Yes. You can get knocked down and it's up to you how long you want to stay there. And it doesn't matter how long you stay there. Time is linear, right? Mm -hmm. Get up when you're ready. But when you get up, get up and, and come back and get ready to kick some ass. Because that's, that's what we all do. And I see it in you. I can say I've done it myself. That's how we grow and learn when we just allow our toe to just come out of that comfort zone. And I love the cliche, quality over quantity, but you flip it on its head when you're writing the book. Yeah, totally, totally. Well, I think the other way to, to, to look at this, and this is just fresh in my mind because I wrote a, a, a solo episode on the, on the show about this, but just being in your peaks and valleys and I was reading a book, Spencer Johnson, I think is the author who wrote Peaks and Valleys. And it was just an interesting concept of, you know, we all go through peaks and valleys, obviously. And there's, there's this illusion, at least the way I see it, the illusion that we always want to be on the top of the peak, you know, having the, the, the bird's eye view and seeing everything and taking in the sunset or the sunrise uh, and just staying up there for forever. But can there really be peaks without the valleys? Right. And I think we all know that the answer is probably not. And when we're in the valley, instead of trying to do everything to get out of it, because we will get out of it if you put in the work and, and whatnot, but just try to enjoy that moment of, of the journey and, and the discovery. And to, the point, to your point, right, like the falling forward or, or moving progress, for example, it's either a miserable situation or it can be bearable and exciting and knowing that, you know, these are little mini peaks that you're experiencing and I'm, I'm, I'm going up to that next peak and you know what, I'll probably fall off of that at one point. And that's a good thing because I'm trying, right? I'm trying to do things. You know, a few years ago, I created a women's self-care conference and took it across Canada and I had two messages. The first one was self-care isn't selfish. 
And the second one was that I can guarantee you growth will always come from the valley. It's like we've, uh, we haven't talked about any of this. I promise the listeners, no, but I feel no. like we're quite aligned. <laughs> we are aligned. We are, ser- we are intentionally, not serendipitously aligned here. So, yeah. so cool. So I'm going to turn the mic on you for question number three. Okay. Who are you, Mark Champagne? Oh, here we go. I knew this was going to happen and I should be more prepared. <laughs> uh, well, I take that back because I really think a question like, who are you, is a question to be answered in the moment. Because I think, you know, even for myself, the person I am right now, there definitely are fundamentals and values and belief systems, I guess you could say, that are, are pretty core to who I am. But they also do evolve and, and change as as my journey evolves and experiences and the people I get to meet. And so I would answer that question right now as I am someone that is authentically curious and really curious about how others think and the questions that they think about. Because if I can get the question, then I can get the answer in relation to wherever I'm at in my journey, in my life. And, you know, that's what I strive to, to do to help others, is to find those questions so that they can go down that journey of seeking the answers, depending on where, where they're at in their lives, for example. So, yeah, curious. And I think the other big one for me that's, that's been around as far as I can remember is just, I like to show up leaving people energized after a conversation as much as possible. If you're coming in, you know, I don't know what happened earlier in the day and, and you don't know what happened earlier in my day. But if for this moment, to your point of being present together and in this moment, I mean, there's nothing that gives me more gratitude than knowing that the other person leaves smiling. At least that's my goal. So that's me in a nutshell. Well, and I love the way you framed the answer at the beginning. That question can change moment by moment, not hour by hour or day by day or from a year ago. Who are you right now? Now is that cognitive address that I try and live in all the time. And I think it's powerful and it's ever changing. And if we're not evolving and growing and, and honing some skills, then we're really not living. And I always love to coin the phrase life by design because I feel like I thought about it and then I created it. So it's it's a powerful question. And I love that you're curious and authentic. And I love that Zach wanted to put us together because I think there's a little bit of like-mindedness going on here today. I'd say, (laughs) I would say. Shout out to you, Zach. Well done. Okay, my fourth question, I want to talk about the book, uh, Personal Socrates. Very excited for you, my friend. Thank releasing you. it in October of this year, 2021. Tell us the why. You've told us a little bit about the journey of writing it, but you really picked an eclectic and diversified group of leaders to study from. So give us a little short version of the journey and, and how you got here. And there's always a little bit of pain in the process of success. So share with us what's on your heart and and why you decide to engrave on your heart this book. And congratulations. Thank you so much. It's definitely been a journey. And 
you know, now that I have a physical copy of the book now at, at home, which made it very real and still feels very surreal because, I mean, I have to follow the advice and the profiles and the prompts that are in, in this book just as anyone else does. So it's been surreal in the sense that as, as I go through the peaks and valleys and ups and downs that like, well, wait a second, there's someone that I've talked to in the past that has gone through something like this. And these are the type of questions that help them out of a situation like that, or help them think towards the future and put together the plan and so forth. And the backstory to it all was, I spent about 10 years in the corporate world and brand management, and sales and analytics and whatnot, and eventually left that world because for those 10 years, I had a reflective practice that many would know as journaling. And I picked that up from just a lot of early morning reading, like Robin Sharma and, and so forth that I noticed that, okay, they're, they're leveraging these mental fitness practices to be at their best, essentially. So I started doing it myself. I grew really frustrated with the digital tools that were available at that time because I was recording these questions that I'd be reading from others or hearing on podcasts. I'd copy them, paste them, and back and forth into different apps. And like, there's got to be a better way to do this and make this, this experience more seamless. And at the time, the big meditation apps were launching and doing well, Headspace and Calm. So it seemed like, well, people seem to be ready for some sort of digital guidance at this point. And nothing existed at that time in the journaling space to lead someone through a practice to either upgrade their current practice or, or completely start it. So uh, I set out to do that. I, I flipped my brother-in-law an email in London, Ontario, actually. And we created uh, Kyo, which was the Japanese word for today, because we were trying to show people that anyone could be affected by this practice day in and day out. It didn't matter where you live, what you're doing. You didn't have to go on a silent retreat to access this stuff or meditate on top of a mountain. All available for us. And short story is, in two years, without any type of paid media, we reached a lot of people, 86.9 million app store impressions, which, I mean, we had no experience in, in this market. We were just doing our best, no benchmark to compare ourselves uh, to, but we were obviously really grateful that we were hitting that level of traction from being featured by Apple around the world. And then, you know, the unexpected, maybe not so unexpected in retro retrospect when thinking about it, but we had to shut that business down or delete the app because even though we were reaching a lot of people and even though we had a pretty solid community and you know monthly active users, as, as they say in that world, the business model wasn't working and we weren't making money to keep it, you know, to sustain it. We were essentially just covering our server costs, our Amazon costs. And that wasn't enough to keep going. It was at a time where this whole space and wellness in general, from an investor standpoint, was still very much on the fence. Calm, for example, hadn't raised their big round of funding, which then valued that whole industry at a billion dollars. That hadn't happened yet. So, you know, we tried. We tried a lot of different avenues to, to save the company financially. But we also realized, at least I did on my side, that mentally I was also at the end. So financially, mentally, had a young family. and there was really no certainty on if we did these things, we did, went to the next iteration of the app that by this time, we would have a little bit more predictability in the business. 
and that was that was terrifying that took away a lot of the hope and, and drive that i had before first starting this and there was a question again from someone i had interviewed scott belsky who's the founder of behance and that company was acquired by adobe and he's still over at adobe now who said something about entrepreneurship and creating products and services around the the, the question of if you don't have the same level of conviction that you had when you first started the company, then it might be a flag not to continue. Because in order to get through that messy middle that all companies, product services face, you need that, that sense of conviction, that drive, if not typically higher than what you came into it. And somewhere along the way, I had lost that. I didn't know at the time because it felt terrifying and scary because I had wrapped up my whole identity into this, this app and this business. I didn't know at the time, but that was just a, a moment on the, on the journey of doing this work because now I'm still in this work, which at that time, the backup plan was to go back to the other job and, and that didn't feel right anymore. So to all, all to say, you know, just try to, to round this question out or this answer out, in that moment, I remember looking at the screen, looking at the Apple dashboard, seeing 86.9 million people, and I'm about to hit delete from App Store, and a flurry of questions run through my mind, like, how could we fail at such a colossal level? What would my family think? What would my ex-colleagues think? Our advisors, what would they say about this experience? And after weeks of, of really challenging times from a mental health standpoint, just having lost hope on like, what's next? It was the first time in my life where I didn't feel like I had a plan forward. Finally, through the present moment and just really harnessing as much as I can from gratitude and being present that, yeah, you know what? I deleted this app on a laptop that most people in the world don't have. And I did it in a co-working space in Toronto that, you know, it's safe. The lights are on here. There are great people around me and just doing everything possible to take the small moments of life to pause that internal narrative that was saying, what are you going to do next? How are you going to pay the bills next month? And on and, and so forth, right? And then that, that was the moment and that was the, the catalyst for what would eventually become the book, Personal Socrates, because I realized, as you said in the intro, that we are all one question away from a completely different life. And I was asking the wrong questions at that time. I was asking fear-based questions and realized that question I needed to ask was, what do I want for my life? And from there, the next question came. And the question after that, and then a plan started to develop. And then the people I needed to speak with started to become apparent. And eventually, you know, day by day, it took time, but eventually things became a lot more clear, which I, I think has to be the first step before to your, I love your language of designing a life. Before you can design the life, you have to be clear on what life you want to design. That's what that question first, you know, unearthed for me, because I never had really thought about that. I was on a very specific corporate track that felt great. I was advancing every two, three years, new job, like standard kind of thing that everyone, you know, experiences or, or has heard about. And it felt good. But now having been in this space, I could feel like this is the type of work that really lights me up and that I feel there's something that I can add to the space in the sense of connecting a narrative and making this stuff accessible. Because the book, the podcast, it's not full of meditation coaches or yoga instructors, people that you would think are dialed into these mental fitness practices. It's filled with 
people like Scott Belsky, who is a VP of product at Adobe, or Claude Silver, who's chief heart officer at VaynerMedia, Picasso, Jane Austen, Coco Chanel. I mean, these are people that, you know, you don't default to, oh, they're really tapped into mindfulness and wellness, but they're all asking powerful questions. And that's what the book is. There's profiles on people like this to meet us wherever we're at. Because Picasso may resonate with some person at that given time in their life. And James Clear, who's the habit expert, may resonate with someone else right now. You know what? You say James Clear. He, he is the habit person. Yeah. You know, all of those people, as you name drop, all have an imagery for me. They all have a word association. But I think what I love, and I have goosebumps saying this to you, is closing that app down brought you to the avenue to figure out life by design. But yeah. I think on a visceral level, you figured out what success was. Now you're giving me goosebumps. You know, I just want to share real quick, and I normally don't do this, but I just feel intentional that I need to add this just to share this space with you and, and share my heart. I looked after sick and broken people for 21 years. And when I lost five executives 11 years ago to cancer, I sat in hospice with all five of them and I lost them one by one over 10 months. And my name has always been a pronoun or a verb. Like it's like, hey, Deb Crow, or are you going to Deb Crow this? And when I held their hand in hospice, they said, you need to Deb Crow this. You got to figure it out because hmm. we didn't speak our truth. We didn't live our life and we tolerated a toxic environment. So on those dippy moments when I'm in the valley, I think back to all five of them and I recalibrate my grit, my tenacity, my love at a visceral level. And I, I rise above the noise because I can, yeah. just like you did. And we got out of the generalist space and now we're in the preventionist space. And it's a really sweet spot to be. So I'm, I'm high-fiving you. I'm air-hugging you. Same. And I'm, I'm, it's just so commendable that you got it. And you got it good and you got it in a good way where you didn't put your physical health or emotional well-being on the line. You drew the line in the sand and went, wait a minute, this isn't my people. This isn't my trajectory. And it's really cool because you got behind your own humanness yeah. and opened up your own heart to figure out where you wanted to be which is why you're on this show today. So there's a full circle moment right there. It's so true. I mean, and, and not to say, I mean, that decision was definitely was not easy. And it, it, it came with its fear and uncertainty, obviously. But there was something there that just really felt right. Again, I'm just going back to the people that graciously shared their knowledge and their life experiences. The more clear I got and was able to see and hear and, and, and be a part of, no, no, this is, I'm on the right path. I'm going towards the right way. The, the, the path is, you know, zigzagging all over the place. But right now, in this moment, it feels like this is, this is the way to go, you know, and matching that feeling up with data and, you know, everything else we're used to. Well, then now you can feel confident making a decision. Even with this book, it's so funny how the products are, are very similar. One was an app and one is, one is a book. And in many senses, there's a lot of similarity there in terms of 
the narrative behind it. And I think why we reached a lot of people, but the app was done and the focus was, okay, we need to drive these numbers up. We need to convert these people, blah, blah, like the, the standard story you would, you'd expect from any app type of business. Whereas the book is, of course, I want, you know, as many people to experience it, but I'm also just trying to stay as clear as possible and enjoy conversations like this and really be a part of the journey. And then as the opportunities and things come up, I have the mental capacity to see, go for that. Like that makes sense. And that in itself is just, for me, it takes a whole weight right off of, of my shoulders. And I'm, I'm grateful for that past journey and that past experience to have gotten to this, this place. So we'll see what happens. Absolutely. And I thank you for sharing the preview with me. And I, I look forward to, to sharing it with, uh, with the world for you and uh, super proud of you. Thank you so much. That means a lot. Okay. We're going to switch to my fast fab four. <laughs> Are you ready? We just yeah, let's do it. sitting on the top of that brilliant, brilliant mind of yours. Okay. First question. Tell us something that we don't know about Mark. Ooh, I want to default to say my hair turned gray in high school and it's, this isn't dyed. Um, but something you don't know, I'm a very passionate, even though I haven't done it in a while, but very passionate photographer that brought me to Africa at one point for a volunteer mission. And I think is the first, first I actually was exposed to some sort of mindfulness practice. Because now I can no longer go anywhere without seeing the photo or the light or the shadows, you know, and whatnot, which just, again, brings you into a present moment. Very cool. And we've had this discussion about gray hair. I like to call it wisdom highlights. Yes, you're right. And if you were blessed with the whole head of it, then you're a very wise man, which we already know. (laughs) Okay, second question. Finish this sentence for me. Heart-centered leadership is? Oh, showing up fully for others. Love that. Now, my third question, and, and I know it's a loaded question, but just whatever comes up, whatever is the first one you think of, what is one of your favorite books and why? So many books, but I'm going to go with Ryan Holiday, The Daily Stoic, because it leans against my coffee machine. And every morning, it takes me less than a minute to read the one page or the one passage from that book, but it sets up the next 24 hours. That's powerful. You know, it's that morning routine. We got to give the love to Robin Sharma. The morning routine is crucial. It's, you know, one of my favorite sayings is I hear a lot. Well, Deb, it's common sense. And I'm like, you're absolutely right. But is it your common practice? Yeah. Well, speaking of Robin Sharma, I mean, I actually have a a, a personal, uh, I don't want to say goal. That's, it's too loaded of a, of a statement, but, uh, I guess an intention for this month that the only books I'm reading this month are Robin Sharma's in some capacity, because I know that 100% it's going to boost my mind into a a positive state and a imagined possibility kind of state. So I'm glad you brought up his name. We are in flow. And you know what? The 5am club, I'll tell you, I've been in and out of that club for 31 years. And every time I'm in it, it's where the magic happens. It's where 
equanimity comes to a level that's not even measurable. The clarity just takes over the chaos, which is the sweet spot to be. So happy yeah. reading and happy August with Robin Sharma. You yes. can't go wrong with that intention, my friend. No. Okay, here's my last fun question for you. What do you want our listeners to remember the most about you from this interview? I would love for them to think about questions in a different light and in a light that is available to all of us and that is different from just asking and answering questions in a more autopilot fashion, but to really slow down and think of the things that you're asking or not asking yourself and be able to apply that to wherever you're at in your life. Do you know what's serendipitous for me interviewing you today? You just brought us full circle back to what you've been hearing for a number of months. It's quality over quantity. Yes. And yes. I'm so delighted that we were introduced and I see many, many more intellectual stimulating conversations between the two of us. And I just want you to know from my heart to yours, I appreciate you sharing your time, your expertise, but more importantly, for sharing your heart today. Oh, thank you. I am without words. What, uh, I mean, I can't ask for a better experience to, to know that once we hit stop, that I am personally energized for the rest of the day. So thank you for showing up with that energy. Well, I'm in addition to the Daily Stoic, so I will receive that. <laughs> and thanks again for being on the show. And we will post everything below so you can connect with Mark and get a copy of his book and join him on social media. Amazing. You've been listening to the Heart Centered Leadership Podcast. I'm Deb Crow. If you like what you heard today, please rate and review the show. And I'd love it if you'd visit my website at debcrow.com, where you can sign up for my newsletter and get access to the Heart-Centered Leadership Toolkit, all free of charge. Thanks for your time, and we'll see you again.